Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa zidu barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Okay, so we're on number 40. We are on number 40. Uh, where he said, Rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafanallahu wa yahu bi ulumihi fi al-darayn. Ameen. إن لم تحسن ظنك به لأجل وصفه فحسن ظنك به لأجل معاملته معك فهل عودك إلا حسنا وهل أسدى إليك إلا مننا So he says if you're not going to think well of Allah as a consequence of his attributes and descriptions then think well of him because of that which he has done to you has he not given you anything other than good or has he not given has he given you anything other than good is that the right way to say that has he given you anything other than good yeah <laughs> and uh, has he bestowed upon you anything other than blessings okay <coughs> so here again as often comes in these wisdoms there's kind of a uh, breakdown of sorts into two categories of people So the two categories of people here The first one are those that think well of Allah uh, Because of what he's done for them And the second category are those that think well of Allah Because of who he is Subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, So Says first and foremost That Know that thinking well of Allah Is from um, is, is from the stations that have to do with certainty Meaning that if one wants to acquire certainty In their belief, in their relationship with God Then they have to really work on this issue Of thinking well of Allah um, And then he says And the people in that relation are two types The first type are the elect The elect Who are the khasa They're the ones who think well of Allah Because of who he is they're not, they don't need anything in order to do that right? They don't need to like Say Oh Allah you gave me this And you gave me this And you gave me this And you gave me this In order to think well of Allah They just know who he is Who he is Subhana That he is knowledgeable That he is wise That he is You know all of these attributes of Allah And so they think well of him because of that And the second category of people Both of them You know they're both thinking well of Allah they're, Those are both good things Alright just to be clear those are both good things, but one is uh, more special than the other. And then the other category is like the average person who thinks well of Allah because they can recognize what He's given them. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you can't get to the first one, at least start with the second one. If you can't get to the higher one, at least start with the lower one. And eventually as you develop in the lower one And you increase in the lower one Then the higher one will come Then he says uh, That this is You know we have to think well of Allah As relates to the affairs of one's life you know that I will do these things And Allah will, Allah will be with me Allah won't be against me And so on and so forth Sometimes we take this very vindictive understanding of Allah Like a person will pray every single day And they'll give charity And they'll fast And they'll be good And then they'll make one mistake And they'll be like Well I think Allah is really going to punish me for this one uh, What about all those good things? You know So it's a think well of Allah That Allah will do good for us And so on and so forth he says, but then also we think well of Allah when it comes to the hereafter. Uh, that we that that as it relates to this dunya, we trust in Allah that He will bring benefits to us without exhausting us, without making things extremely difficult for us in life, and so on and so forth. That He's able to do that, Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, that He's able specifically what they say in that regard, which is interesting, is that that He'll allow us to. Attain the things that we need in this life Without being put in a situation Where we have to miss an obligation 
it's not necessarily an issue of like will it be tiring or not will it be will it be hard or not that's not the issue is like the 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 objective is can i fulfill my obligations without my worldly obligations without fi- f- missing a spiritual obligation like praying on time like you know fasting so on and so forth um So he says then, you know, if we have good, if we think well of Allah in that regard, then that will help us to have some level of tranquility and calm and patience and uh, in, in regards to our life. To the point that, uh, to the point, he says, it's beautiful actually in the commentary, he says, so it says that like the person will have this calm in their heart such that they won't be uh, irritated by things that they're asked to do and they won't be annoyed uh, by the uh, steps that they have to take they'll just do the things that they have to do and that will be that, and they'll be fine, you know. Um, then he also says about, you know, this thinking well of Allah in the hereafter, is that w- w- as, as relates to the hereafter, that we should be قوي الرجاء في قبول أعماله الصالحة فيجب له ذلك المبادرة لامتثال الأمر والتكثير من أعمال البر. So the person should have a strong hope that Allah will accept their deeds. Now, sometimes I think what happens is we read these other narrations about how we have a fear about the acceptance of our deeds, and then we forget that we're supposed to have hope too. Like it's not only fear that Allah, maybe Allah, wa- but there's both sides of it. I remember one time I was talking to this imam, and uh, he said something that to me was remarkable at that time because everything that I had understood about Islam was so fear-based that when he said it, I was like, oh. I don't know, you could really kind of like take a position like that. And his, what he said was, he's like, uh, he said, yeah, what, you know, I think about like, I wake up and I do what I can for Islam and for the Muslims. And I, I, I live in the, you know, let's just say I'm close to the masjid to not give away who it was. And, um, you know, I pray as many prayers as I can here. And I go to bed at night and I think to myself, Allah, this is what I have. Alhamdulillah, I prayed these prayers. Alhamdulillah, I did these things. And I have shortcomings, but I believe in you, Allah. And like, inshallah, everything will be forgiven. You know, whatever it is. I was like, wow, that's a really beautiful perspective on Allah. You know, like that's that's actually really nice. And for some reason, we have a hard time with that, you know. Although, that is what we are told. Um, so he says, for example, in the commentary that we should have that strong hope and desire that Allah will accept our deeds and that will actually motivate us to work harder in doing the things that we're supposed to do and doing more good and so on and so forth because we're actually hopeful that Allah will accept it right um, and there's many many things about for example one of the places he says next and that thinking well of Allah is really uh, required is at the time of death and to really, you know, think and, and there's some really interesting narrations from the Sahaba around these kind of things. Right? Like so Bilal radiallahu an he'll say that they were mourning at the time of his death and they were saying, Oh, the sadness and so on and so forth and he said, Wa farha like oh the happiness that I'm gonna die. Like he was he's like so happy that he's gonna die. And they said, Why? What's what's your and he said, uh he said, غَدًا أَنْقَلْ أَحِبَّ مُحَمَّدًا وَحِزْبًا He said, tomorrow I meet, I meet, I meet my beloveds, Muhammad and his followers. This is his, he's like, I'm, I'm good. Like, get me out of this place, I'm good to go. Um, there's other companions who said also ajib things. Like the Prophet them talked about how the person who has a child who dies in their childhood and, uh, and the parents are patient with that then Allah will give them paradise as a reward. So there's, I think it was Abu Darda or one of, one of the Sahaba who he was dying and 
people were mourning and stuff and he said oh i'm not i'm not really worried essentially i'm not really worried and they said why he said because we had because the prophet said that allah will give us paradise if we're patient over the death of a child and we had one alhamdulillah who died and we were patient so inshallah everything is fine i'm not worried about it right so this is like thinking well of thinking well of allah to say uh, and and from the hadith it says لا that no one should die except that they're thinking well of Allah. Wa in the other narration, Man Ahabba Lika Allah Ahabba Allahu that the person who loves to meet Allah, then Allah loves to meet them. Right? So this is a good time to think well of Allah. Um Sidi Muhammad ibn Habib Rahimullah Ta'ala he said that uh he said that خَصْلَتَانِ لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ يُجَدُوا فَوْقَهُمَا مِنَ الْخَيْرَاتِ يُحْمَدُوا حُسْنَ ظَنِّ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ بِنْ عِبَادِ فَكُنْ لَهُمَا وَجَنَّ بِنْ عِنَادِ So he said that بِنْ عِبَادِ فَكُنْ لَهُمَا وَجَنَّ بِنْ عِنَادِ He said that there's two characteristics, there's nothing more praiseworthy than them. Two characteristics, there's nothing more praiseworthy than them. And uh, they are to think well of Allah, حُسْنَ ظَنِّ to have husnadhan, think well of Allah, and to think well of the servants of Allah. Husnadhan billah wa husnadhan bi ibadillah. To think well of the servants of Allah. May Allah forgive us. Um, so that's all there. A couple of days ago, I had a phone call with uh, uh, with our primary Arabic teacher. So some of you may have heard this before, but in case you haven't. Uh, our primary Arabic teacher, he is albino. So what that means is that he's, uh, you know, more or less blind. He's not, he's, he's not blind, but he's legally blind, right? Like he can't drive, he can't, um, you know, like he would read our homework, he'd read the book like this. Like you might see, if you see Brother Ali and he's reading something, you'll see him doing that. Like holding it really close and reading it. And he would read our homework like that. Brilliant, brilliant man. And he used to have a job in the government in the morning. And then on one side of the city, which was closer to where he lived. And then he would come all the way to the other side of the city to teach us from 4 to 9 p.m. Actually, our Arabic classes were from 4 to 9 p.m when we had him and um, he's a remarkable man Allah preserve him and his family and he was very much like you need to learn about Egypt and you need to understand Egypt and you need to he's very like experiential he used to give advice that no one else would give that of course we didn't follow because like it was so extreme but like he would say things like you're here in Egypt and you're going to be here for some time you should get a job here like a job with Egyptians in Egypt. And we're like, well, that's gonna take away from studying and so on and so forth. And his position was like, you're gonna learn things if you do that, that you won't learn any other way about life, about what it means to like stand on your own two feet and all these, that was his position. Like when we, when it was time, they give you a, a tourist visa that lasts, I think like a month when you first come in. And then you have to extend it. So we had just arrived in Egypt. We don't know any Arabic. We don't understand the place, anything like that. When it came time to extend the visa, he was like, oh yeah, it's easy. You just, you see the main street out here? You go to the main street, you're going to hear people in, mic in micro buses yelling Ramses, 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 Ramses. When you find one of those, just get on. And it's going to go to that square called the Ramses. You're going to see a big minaret. You get out there. And then that's where the metro is. You're going to go down underground, catch the metro go two stops to the downtown stop and get out and when you get out you're going to see this big building and that's the building where they renew the visa so we're like okay cool you know we'll just go it's <laughs> 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 <This is> horrible <laughs> it's like the craziest experience you know like we don't know what we're doing and we get off the bus we're like we're not sure when we're supposed to get off the bus we're not sure if we're in the right place this that but finally we get there we get there and realize we don't know what we're doing there like we don't actually know 
how to renew our visa in this huge government building office, right? So we're just like stumbling around the place. I don't know what was going on there that day. It was never like it was that day. Every other time we went there, it was never like that day. It was like the wildebeest at the water in Lion King that day in the Mujamma. I don't know why. Like it was all the, like I'm not exaggerating. To get up the stairs, to get anywhere, <laughs> it was like endless people everywhere like Hajj. Uh, but we learned things that day because of him. So he used to do stuff like that. He made he would like invite us to his home. His home was in this like really poor area of the city. Um, take us to his village, stuff like that. So I talked to him a couple of days ago because I saw he had this post on Facebook about his daughter uh, publishing an article in education, and I was like, Subhanallah! I remember when we used to go to his house, and his daughter was like a little girl, you know. And so I sent him a message and congratulated him and stuff. And then he called me on uh, f Facebook Messenger. So we got to talking and stuff. Because he's been actually out of Egypt now for probably like 10 years. Because, you know, you can't find work and stuff like that. So he, he had moved to Italy. I actually called him to see what's going on with like him and the coronavirus and all that stuff. But it didn't come up in the conversation. So I don't really know. Um, but he, you know, he moved there and then for the last, since the coup in Egypt, he hasn't been able to go back to Egypt. So I'm getting, all of this leads up to the point. So you have a person who is largely blind, works in education, is working from literally 8 or 9 in the morning till 9 p.m., all the, all the, all the time that we were studying with him. Um, and then having to go back across the city on public transportation that he can't see. Okay, it's not like when the bus comes, you can see the number on the bus and you get on the right bus. He can't see the number in the first place. So, like, all of this is everyday life, right? And, um, and then now he's been out of his country. The country who, he's the one who taught us how to love that country, right? He's been out of it. He can't go back for six years, barely sees his family, so on and so forth. His oldest son, now graduated college, is going to get married soon. His daughter in the middle is, you know, working and so on and so forth. His youngest son is 15. So he's like, my, my children have grown up without me for the last six, seven years. No father to be with them and so on and so forth. And I'm having this conversation with him and he's like, I mean, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was just an incredible conversation. We are talking about his son getting married. And he says, he says, you know, I wanted him to get married earlier. But, you know, in Egypt, how it is, everyone wants this and that. And they think too much and everything else. So they, it stops them from getting married early. And they want to have all the things in place and so on. I was like, yeah, you know, Ustad, like the whole economics thing is hard for everyone, especially for you guys in Egypt. And he said, he's just like plain as day. He's like, <laughs> which literally translates as every single one of us has a bed and we eat three meals a day. I don't want to hear about like that. He's like, that cannot, what do you mean? He's like, we have a bed and we eat three meals a day. What else are you talking about? Like, you know, that's it. That, and that's, you know, and he's not just like saying that to, to, to make a point or something like that's like, that's actually what he believes. You know, he's like, what do you, they don't need to make it complicated. It's three meals. And there's a bed, and like, what's the problem? And then we're talking about like, you know, I said, uh, and I started to tell him, I said, you know, I can't imagine, which is probably not the most sensitive thing to do, but I kind of know him, so I, you know, I thought like, I, I miss Egypt as much as I miss Egypt, and you're the one who taught me to love Egypt, I can't imagine what you feel, you know? And he said, he, his immediate response was, this is all, why am I saying all this stuff? Hasnadhan billah, thinking well of Allah. His immediate response was, uh, he's like, yeah, he like uh, the most important thing that is, is that Allah is pleased with us. No, he's like, the most important thing is that Allah is pleased with us. He's like, of course, Masr, I miss Masr, and so on and so forth. But as long as Allah is happy with us, I don't, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter where I am. And then he started talking about how, like, Allah gave him, he's been away all these years, but Allah gave him the blessing and the, the gift of having children who who are obedient and who are he's like from all the way over here I tell my 15 year old don't do something and he won't do it and I haven't seen him for six seven years like I don't see him maybe once a year they see each other but he's like but they understand and they know and like they listen and he's like so the whole conversation was positivity I was like man this is like 
my opposite. (laughs) He looked in the reflection and he saw the other side. Like, what if everything was positive? Oh, that's what it looks like. Amazing. You know, he said, he said, all these things that are going on, he's like, Al-Alam fi khair, Al-Alam fi khair, Al-Alam khair. He's like, the world is in, it's in good shape. It's going towards good. All of these things we're going through, they're just making clear what's false and what's true and what's right and what's wrong. And everything's going in the right direction. Don't worry about it. Just worship Allah. Like, he was totally, Husnadan billah. So, you know, this is uh, thinking well of Allah. Whatever the situation is, thinking well of Allah. Allah make things easy for him and for his family. <coughs> it's the same one I told you that when we would come to class and we didn't do our homework, he'd just go to sleep. Now you understand why he go to sleep too, because he's tired. <laughs> you know, so if we came to class, we hadn't done our homework. He'd just be like, "There's nothing I can do for you unless you do your homework. Go ahead, do your homework, and then you take a nap." Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> wake me up when you're done. <laughs> and especially with Muslima, who would purposely pick fights with her so that she could practice her language. You know, because it was me and her and him. We had like two-on-one classes. So that was like his way to get her to practice her muhaditha, her Arabic language. It was pick fights with her. And he knows like she's fiery. You know, so like once you <laughs> once you like say something, usually it was gender related, you know. And then like we're in this argument for like two hours, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And afterwards he's like, It's good, you're practicing your language, you know, <laughs> like you're speaking. Part of what I have to teach you is how to speak and you're speaking, mashallah, it's good, you know. <laughs> Subhanallah. Alright, 41. Alright. <coughs> <coughs> So he says, how strange is it? It's the, the most strange thing is the person who flees from that which they cannot escape from. They cannot be parted from. They flee from that which they cannot be parted from. Then And fikak is like when you split something. So... Uh, they're fleeing from something that they can't get away from. And they're seeking that which does not remain. They're seeking that which does not remain. فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبَصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّطُورِ This is one of the very, very important verse in the Qur'an. Very important verse. It says, it is not the the eyes that go blind, but rather it is the hearts that are in the chest that go blind. It is not the eyes that go blind, but it is the hearts that are in the chest that go blind. The remainder of the verse, or the beginning of the verse, أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَتَكُونَ لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ يَعْقِلُونَ بِهَا أَوْ آذَانٌ يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلَ بَصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ Do they not travel in the earth, and thereby gain hearts by which they can comprehend or ears by which they can hear rather it is not the eyes that go blind but it is the hearts that are in the chest that go blind you know so we've talked about before this idea of the the eye of the inside the insight or the spiritual eye and how that when it's blinded will lead to all kinds of misunderstandings and misinterpretations and wrong opinions um, and it's very very tricky because basically the nafs that's why so much of Islam actually like practically speaking is mukhalifatul nafs is to go against the nafs is to go against our base desires and our ego and so on because the ego will really play with you it will really mess with you and get you to think one way when in reality it's something else and your interpretations of events your opinions on things all of it will get all mixed up because the ego will just take you into very strange places um, and you see this all the time you know uh, 
So that's why it says that it's not the eyes that go blind, it's the heart that goes blind. The heart goes blind when it's covered up by some sort of thing. So like, you might look at something one way if you don't have greed. But if you have greed, you interpret it a different way. You look at something one way if you don't have a love for power. But if you have a love for power, you look at it in a different way. You look at something one way if you don't have envy and jealousy for the person. And you look at it a different way if you have envy and jealousy. So now those things are clouding the vision to the point that even the mind doesn't understand properly. Right? It'd be like this person actually, you know. Uh, it's very, very tricky, subhanAllah. Um, okay. Yeah. That, does that verse imply that the heart has like hearing too? Well, it says, Adhanun uh, Yasma'una Biha. That you have ears that hear. Yeah. Mm. Because of what comes after it? Yeah. Because I have heard some scholars say that the heart has sight hearing? and hearing. Mm. I'm wondering if that's where it's from. Possibly, I don't know. Seems plausible, but I'm not sure. Um. Yes, and Hajj, which is 22, yeah, 46. I'm trying to remember this thing. Is that the one that said the eyes don't go blind the heart? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, there's this thing in this poem, Yahamakina. Uh. Don't worry, we're not going to lock you in the closet or something <laughs> because you sneezed. I sneezed on the way here from allergies, just to be clear. And uh, I was like, oh no, I'm sneezing. <laughs> if someone sees me sneeze, they might shoot me on sight. I'm hyperallergenic, so it's a very scary time in my life. I know, it's like so much. <laughs> Bless you, <laughs> the Emmy. <laughs> Emmy. Uh, God, I can't remember this line right now because I feel like my brain is on crack. I don't remember what it is. But it was related to this somehow. Yeah. That's okay. It must not be that important. It's okay. I think it's sufficient. It's understood. Uh, there's a nice line of poetry that the commentator brings here. Um. He says, "Tefnan la idu ya man nala shahwatahu min al maasi wa yabqa al ithmu wa al aru, tabqa awaqibu su'in lanfikaka laha la khayra fi ladhatin min ba'daha min ba'diha al naru." So he says the desires and these sweet things that you get from your desires uh, O you who has gotten those desires that are from the sins The only thing that remains from them is the sin itself And the, and the disgrace of the act that you engaged in uh, The remains of that bad deed, they stay And there's no good in some desire that the end of which is punishment, basically. Uh, so he's saying, this is the ajab. The ajab is people, they, they run away from Allah and they seek that which doesn't remain. That which doesn't remain is like these desires and these different things and that and you know so on and so forth. And what remains is Allah. So they, they're running away from Allah to go to these things. He said, that's the strangest thing you can imagine. Al-ajab kull al-ajab. Amazing, amazing thing. 42 says لا ترحل it's a very powerful image very powerful image um, before I say uh, yeah before I say it, you know that there's a hadith about the people who the person who will be in the hellfire and there will be like a like a donkey you know like the donkey at the mill they used to have you have the the pole and the donkey's on a rope and like they go around the thing and they just make circles and circles and circles and circles and that's what turns the mill to grind the flour, right? Um, 
and there's a hadith about the person who they'll see the, they'll see this person in the hellfire doing that and they'll be like wasn't that so and so who used to tell us to do these things and they'll be told that was so and so they used to tell you to do those th- those good things but they didn't do them themselves and this is the punishment that they have they're going so the image is like a very powerful image uh, comes in the hadith and it comes here too so he says لا ترحل من كون إلى كون فتكون كحمار الرحى يسير والذي ارتحل إليه هو الذي ارتحل منه ولكن ارحل من الأكوان إلى المكون وأن إلى ربك المنتهى وانظر إلى قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى دُنْيَا يُسِيبُهَا إِلَى دُنْيَا يُسِيبُهَا وَإِمْرَأَةً يَتَزَوَّجُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَاجْرَ إِلَيْهِ فَافْهَمْ قَوْلَهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ وَتَأَمَّلْ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ إِنْ كُنْتَ ذَا فَهْمْ وَالسَّلَامُ They do that sometimes in the books, it's funny. When I translate it, you'll see. So it says, don't go from one created thing to another created thing. Literally, it's like the word for traveling. Rihla. Right? You take a travel as a rihla. It says, Don't go on a journey from one created thing to another created thing. If you do so, then you'll be like the donkey that's in the mill. The thing that it goes to is the thing that it just left from. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that it goes to is the thing that it just left from. It's just all going to the same thing. It's all the same circle. You're going to this thing, then you're going to that thing. It's all created things in the end. He says, but rather go from the created things to the one who created them. Get yourself out of this loop, the rat race. Get yourself out of the rat race. You get out of the rat race is by not focusing on the wheel. So he says then the verse وَأَنَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ الْمُنْتَهَىٰ This verse in the Qur'an, Surah Al-Najm that to your Lord is the end point like the return, you go back that's where you're going in the end and look at the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, the one whose immigration was to Allah and his messenger then their immigration was to Allah and his messenger so it went in the right direction and the one whose immigration was for a worldly thing to acquire it or a woman to get married to, then their immigration was for whatever they, mar- they, Im- they immigrated for it. They're just going in a loop. He says, so understand the statement of the Prophet them and think about it if you are a person of understanding and salam. This, like, this is the pre-modern Muslim book equivalent of a mic drop. They do this every now and then. In the book. What's salam? It's like, so he's like basically he's like think about this if you have any sort of brain think about this and salam boom he just like throws the mic he's gone he's done like just sit with that one for a while and subhanallah you know like a lot of these people they weren't people of immense speech so a lot of their speech was it was like mic drops because it's not, like, we're not here to talk all the time, so there's things to do. Uh, yeah, I was reading yesterday, the day before, I was reading something, and I came to this quote from Anjunaid, radiallahu an, and I was like, okay, I think that's enough for the day. It's a really short statement of his, and I'm like, all right, it's, it can't take any more. He said, this way of ours, it's based on three things. Uh, it was not eating unless we're hungry, not sleeping until we're overcome by it and not speaking unless there's a necessity <laughs> that's it <laughs> like if you want to know what this whole thing is about the journey to Allah so is you don't eat until you're hungry don't sleep until you can't stay awake any longer and don't speak unless you absolutely have a reason to be speaking so this is just the mic and then there's the mic is dropped and stomped on and it's left <laughs> like you do it don't do it it's up to you but he says at the end he just drops the mic he said, but what he's saying is very powerful, right? He's saying, don't go from one thing to the next. Go to Allah. The first level of that, obviously, is that you don't, like, you know, keep just going in that same loop. Like, you don't just 
wash your hands and stop touching your face and stay away from large gatherings and stay home when you're sick and go from one thing to the next and one thing to the next and one thing to the next but you also make your dhikr in the morning and you pray your salawat and you stay in the state of wudu and so on so on like you do those other things too and otherwise you're just going in a loop that's one level of it but he gets into the commentary a, a whole different level of it which is where sometimes these people get into trouble with other people who don't like the things that they say but uh, it's quite interesting so he says لا تطلب بأعمالك الصالحة عوضا ولو في الآخرة فإن الآخرة كون كالدنيا والأكوان متساوية في أنها أغيار وإن وجد في بعضها أنوار بل اطلب وجها كريما منانا الذي كون الأكوان وفائن بمقتدى العبودية وقيام بحقوق الربوبية لتتحقق بمقام وأن إلى ربك المنتهى وهذا مقام العارفين الذين رغبوا 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 عن طلب الثواب ومحدوا النظر إلى الكريم الوهاب فتحققوا بمقام الإخلاص الناشئ عن التعهير الخاص This language in Arabic is so beautiful Obviously like everyone wants to learn Arabic because they want to read the Quran Of course the Quran is extremely beautiful and it's the word of Allah and everything else but like <coughs> there's so many beautiful things in our religion So he says don't seek a reward don't seek a reward yeah I guess you could say reward but it will does like a replacement or like I gave you the deed you give me this type thing right the transactional relationship with God type thing like oh Allah I did the deed you give me the garden in paradise that's fine you can he's not saying that it's like haram to do that or that it's wrong to do that even or so on and so forth again what we're talking about in this book are levels above the base minimum level of what's okay and good like we're not talking about you know they say even the nba like everyone w once you get past the base level of everything that's acceptable there's still levels and they're endless and the Prophet ﷺ himself traveled those levels of closeness to Allah and so on and so forth. You can go deeper and deeper into that realm. Um, and sometimes like if you pay attention and in in, I heard from, uh, actually I heard it from Amu Wahi in ICOI. Allah bless him and preserve him and his family. He said something beautiful about the story of Musa He said you can see this in the story of Musa. Where Musa in the beginning of the prophethood goes to the burning bush and Allah tells him you're going to go to Pharaoh and he's like okay um, you know help me with my speech and give me my brother to aid me and so on and starts asking for all these things right and then he goes and does what he's supposed to do which is fine and uh, then you see later when they go to Pharaoh the signs appear all of these things happen they flee Egypt and they're going and they get to the sea and the army's behind him and uh, they they get to the to the water and all of the people that are with Musa they're like inna la mudrakun that's it like they caught us now there's nothing we can do and Musa salam, without any hesitation he says kalla inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdin he says no my lord is with me he will guide me immediate like that's that's Musa on a different level, alayhi <laughs> salam. Like, even though, he's like, this is a prophet. Like, this is a prophet that's on one level at one point, and he's on another level at another point, alayhi salam, right? And that's like, it's mind-blowing to even think about. The Prophet sallallahu So, like, part of what is happening in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and by extension, the lives of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that they're like leveling up through all of these things that are happening and Allah is taking them from one thing to the next one thing to the next one thing to the next why am I saying that oh rewards so this is it's like if you like if you make dhikr because Allah is going to give you a palm tree in paradise it's not a bad thing like the Prophet told you that you get a palm tree alhamdulillah you get a palm tree it's good but if you just make dhikr because you love Allah and it's there too. Like it's it's people think like, oh, this is just stuff they made up, and like they made things too complicated, and so on. If it's just make the dhikr, you get a palm tree. You know, like, it's actually there. 
like the the even with dua and stuff like there's a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that says the one who shaghalahu dhikri an mas'alati a'taytu khayra mimma a'taytu as-sa'inin says that the one who they're busy with my remembrance so much so that they don't ask of me i give them better than what the people who ask get so like the people who ask they're like okay allah because who the person who's so in love with allah that all they're doing is remembering him so much so that they like forget to ask because they're just like busy with worshiping him allah is saying i give them better than the people who ask some saturday and uh, he had to teach he was teaching in socal because his flight to medina got canceled Mm. Because the, the visa got denied at the airport because he just announced that they were denying all the visas. Mm. So he's in the airport, so he decides to teach. He's talking to someone and they're trying to consult him like, in a normal Muslim way. And they're like, it's okay, your intention was good and like Allah will give you the reward of your Umrah still. And then he responds to them and says, I wanted to go because I missed the Prophet. Mm. Like, it's not like not about the reward right like i just miss him and now i can't see him yeah so yeah it's a different thing it's not it's not it's not the worship of an accountant right it's it's the worship of the lover so that's what he's getting at here he says don't ask in reward for your deeds that you get something in the hereafter because the hereafter is a created thing just like the dunya is a created thing <laughs> the hereafter is a created thing Just like the dunya is a created thing and, there, and, and all created things are the same In the sense that they are other than Allah They're all the same in the sense that They're other than Allah Obviously they're not the same But in a sense they're the same Because they're all other than Allah Even if some of them They have lights and illumination in them And so on and so forth But they're still other than Allah so rather, seek the one who is an karim and manan, the generous, the one who bestows bounties, the one who brought everything into existence, as, as, as a fulfillment of your position of absolute servitude and worship to him, and your recognition of his lordship over you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what he says, that's what it says, so beautiful. And this is, he says, this is the level, this is the station of those who know God, and because they knew God, they turned away from actually seeking reward and they only put their glance upon Him. Their glance wasn't to the reward, their glance was to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so, you know, try to have this, uh, uh, this sincerity. <coughs> اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم 43 لا تصحب من لا ينهدك حاله ولا يدلك على الله مقاله So the next two are very clearly related to the kind of company that one keeps The next two are very clearly related to the kind of company that one keeps And how do we think of the relationships that of the people that we're around? Okay, that's another layer. If I forget it, we have to come back to it. Okay? So he says, La tashab. Don't have the suhbah. Don't keep the company of one whose state does not elevate you or. Um, Uh, they use like Nahda in modern Arabic. They use Nahda for like a like a renaissance or a revival. It's like a lifting up. Yunhiduka means it lifts you up. You know, don't don't keep the company of one whose state. There, uh, my dad actually made clear to me recently that this is also in in, in Urdu. Right? For some reason, it never clicked for me. What's the Urdu greeting of how are you? Hmm? The other one. Yeah, that one. That's Kefahaluk, right? Yeah. It's basically the equivalent of Kefahaluk. 
It's the same. Is that how, how is your hal? Uh, what did the Shamiin say? Shlonik or something like that? Shlonik is, is what is your color? Eish lonik. What is your color? Right? These are all spiritual terms. Like what is your color is a, is a spiritual question. What is your hal is a spiritual question. Like what's going on with you inside? Are you in a hal of qabd? Are you in a hal of bust? Are you in a hal of sabr? Are you in a hal of shukr? Like what is going on with you right now? Are you what what? Those are like really profound questions actually, um, and they've permeated all of these places. So when it says la yunhiduka haluhu, which is that this person, if they're not the kind of person that, when you're around them, you're gonna want to get up and do what's right and do what's good and worship Allah and so on and so forth, don't keep their company. That's what he's saying. Don't have suhba with them. And the things that they say, they don't turn you to Allah. They don't turn you to Allah. This is one of the things that you see with like true shuyukh is that when you talk to them, they'll turn you to Allah. They don't turn you to them. Okay. Uh, I think it might be Ibn Al-Ta'ala who says that the other thing is sometimes people turn you to yourself. That the mandalaka ala nafsika ata'abak. The one who turned you to yourself, they tired you out. Yeah, they made you exhausted because they keep putting it on you. But the like there's one shaykh in particular, anytime I ask him anything, it the answer is always, make this dua, do that dua, don't worry, Allah will take care of it. it. Every single answer is about Allah. There's no like, you know, we're here for you, these kind of things. <laughs> like it's not, <laughs> because it's like, your, tr- your emphasis should be on Allah. And it shouldn't be on me, you know, it's not about me, it's about Allah, Allah will take care of you. I also have that experience largely with uh, with Imam Zaid, Allah bless him. That generally his answers will very much push you to Allah. Like, you know. Um, so don't keep the company of one whose state doesn't cause you to rise up and whose speech doesn't turn you to Allah. Now, why I said the nature of relationships is that I think part of what's what's here is a recognition of there's various types of relationships that we have. And we can think about them in different ways. And I might be around people, like the emphasis that I give them indicates how I look at them at some level. So like I could have the sohbah of certain people Outwardly, but I don't really have their sohba. So maybe like you know, my family—they're not really into the whole God thing. But I need to spend time with my family. Obviously, I need to be around them. It's not—he's not telling you like don't go visit your family if your family are not Muslims, or don't be around anyone who's not the most pious person on earth, or someone like if they don't meet these conditions, don't ever be in their presence. So I don't think that's what he's saying here. But what's being said is like, where do you take your zad from? Wh- where do you where do you take your fill from? Where do you take your provision from? What is it that like to you? That is the company that matters. That's the company that you're focusing on. That's the company that you're present in, in a sense. Um, you know that you are focused on that. <laughs> Over there. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one that you're you're focused on. Um, so that's is that the sohbah that you're focused on? Which one is it that you're focused on? Right? Which one is the one that's taking up your mind space, your heart space, so on and so forth? And and oftentimes that's a sohbah that is not because of what I just said. It's not only when you're in the presence of the person. And that's why some of I've heard some of the shiuch say that. If, you're, if you can't be with your teacher in their absence, then you can't be with them in their presence. Like you won't benefit, if you can't benefit from them in their absence, then you won't benefit from them in their presence. 
because you don't really like it's the way you're doing it doesn't it's not right like you should have you should be thinking about that person and of course the the prophet sallallahu is the greatest example of that right like if uh, i i should have a level of suhba with the prophet sallallahu that is not such that you know obviously makes us a sahabi but there is a kind of suhba wa'lam anna fikum rasulullah you know, know that amongst you in you is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he's like fi is like it's a dharf in uh, Arabic, which is like an envelope, right? It's you open the envelope and you put inside the envelope. That's the fee. So, like the Prophet so I send them is with you. So know that he's with you. So some of the narrations say that he's informed of the deeds of his ummah. So they're they're debated by the scholars of hadith, but there's narrations that say the ones that aren't debated are when you say Assalamu alaikum Rasulullah, that is delivered to him. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And it said to him, so and so from your ummah says salam to you. And the Prophet Sallallahu says, wa alaykum salam. That, that is, that is there, as far as I know, no debate on it. The one that there's more debate on is the issue of like, is the Prophet Sallallahu informed? There's a hadith that uh, a lot of the people of knowledge like because of its content. Although the authenticity of it is debated, which says that like, my, my life and my death are good for my ummah. When I'm with them, you know, I seek their forgiveness and I do this for them and so on. And when I'm when I, when they're when I'm gone from amongst them, their deeds are shown to me. And when I find good, I praise Allah for that. And when I find things things that are not good, I ask their I ask forgiveness for them. So like my life and my death are good for my ummah. So the Prophet like there's a there is actually a relationship with the Prophet That's why we we don't say. One of the worst translations that you hear sometimes of the Shahada in English. It's a very um, foul translation, actually. Which is not to judge anyone who does it. Sometimes we make mistakes, right? But we don't say, we say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. We don't say, Ashadu anna Muhammadan kana Rasulullah. Okay, so. <laughs> We said that there is no God but Allah and the Messenger and the Prophet is the Messenger of God. Not was the Messenger of God. We don't say he was the Messenger of God. We say that he is the Messenger of God. So like there's there's not an inqita there. Yeah, the Prophet is not physically living with us. Obviously, you know, he has his burial place, he's where he's buried, but there is a spiritual life that has consequence. <coughs> At least insofar as he responds to our salam. If, if nothing else. If you don't take anything else, at least you take that. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where did I go? It's 8.20. Where did I go? Okay. We have to do the next one because it's related to it. Good line of poetry. He says that, Oh my son, so much of like the culture of Islam was passed in poetry. It's very important to like recognize that so much of it was passed in poetry. So like the same line of poetry will be memorized over hundreds of years. This is like it sounds like a very simple thing, but it's an extremely profound concept. Because the bedrock of all of your civilization and all of your culture and everything is a bedrock that's not shifting. So like everything that a child is exposed to, like imagine you take away television, take away cell phones, take away radio. What is a child exposed to? They're exposed to some verses from the Quran, some hadith, some stories, some lines of poetry, and whatever cultural stuff their families give them, right? Like that's what they're exposed to. And likely a good portion of that is stable. It's the same stuff. Like the same stuff that the kid is learning is the same stuff that their parent learned is the same stuff the grandparent learned. And they can go and talk to each other and so on and so forth. We're dealing in a whole different, like, we're dealing in an in in existence where the, there's no floor. There's no floor. Like, you know. Uh, 
or the floor is completely different it's completely changed and and really like it's it's beginning to scare me in ways that are probably not healthy and we have to think well of Allah think well of the servants of Allah and everything else but it's beginning to scare me in ways that are not healthy because even when like I was young there were certain things you could talk about them and no matter where people were you could kind of meet on them still at some level like you could meet on a concept around honor dignity respect loyalty you know like there were there were ideas that you could meet on i talk to young people now it's like they don't get it like you try to tell them that's dishonorable or that's disrespectful or something it's like you're speaking a different language. It's, it's not even that the term has a different base. It's like you're speaking a whole different language. Which is terrifying, but we'll just move on. Rubbama kunta. I didn't finish translating. So he says this line of poetry. My son, I didn't translate at all. My son, stay away from everyone who is a person of innovation. And don't keep their company if they are described as such. Because your nature will take from their nature and you won't even know it. Your nature will take from their nature and you don't even know it. So that is part of the company too, you know. Being around, even if we're really intentional about certain things, you know, still being around people does affect us. Being in good company does affect us. Being in bad company does affect us. Um, in ways that are like so profound. Like if you keep the company of people who only look at learning as a means by which you attain money, then that's all learning will be to you. If you keep the company of people who look at learning as a means of bettering themselves and enlightenment and understanding the world and so on and so forth, then they're going to look at learning differently. Now, so many things are affected by this. Anyways, you won't even recognize it. You're taking from the person. Uh, so they say that the souls steal from one another. Souls steal from one another. And that's one of the great like secrets of gatherings of dhikr and remembrance and learning and so on and so forth. People come with good intentions and the souls take from each other. And they, they pollinate one another and so on and so forth. Number 44 This is a really complicated statement in Arabic If anyone's an Arabic speaker This one is like If anything is wrong in the Arab You cannot understand what he's saying here And then even still usually you need some commentary says rubbama kunta musi'an fa arakan ihsana minka suhbatuka ila man huwa aswa'u halan mink so basically what he's saying here is that <coughs> it could be it could be that you're actually not very good could be that you got a whole lot of things wrong but because you're keeping the company of people who are worse than you Keeping the company of people that are worse than you makes you feel like you're all good. That's what he says. <laughs> what is showing you that, making you think that you're okay, is your company with those people that are even in a worse state than you're in. So you could be like doing nothing, you know. And I think that's why, like, also the account, the accounting thing gets tricky with that. Is because if you if you're doing the accounting thing, then you're always going to be comparing and be like, okay, I'm fine. You're always going to find people that are worse than you, which is exactly opposite of the teaching of the Prophet right? The teaching of the Prophet is when you look at some you look at someone in Deen, you look to those who are better than you, and when you look to someone in Dunya, you look to those who are in a worse condition than you. Because if you look in Dunya to those who are in in the worldly things, to those who have less than you, then you'll be Satisfied and grateful for what with what you have, and if you look to those who are more accomplished, seemingly as far as we can tell, than you, in affairs of religion and spirituality and so on, then that will motivate you to do more. Right? So this is the. But he's saying what happens in this case is you keep the company of people that are, you know, doing worse, so you think you're fine. You know, everyone that you hang around at school, they don't pray at all. But I pray once a day. 
you know? Like, I go to school, nobody's doing anything. They all have, you know, they all have two or three girlfriends and boyfriends, and I just have one. You know, they they all had relationships before they were married, and I didn't do that. I just went to prom and had a girlfriend and did everything but that. So like, I'm fine. Uh, this is this is like how people think about things, right? So so you think that because the company you kept didn't actually push you in in a good direction. Um, Also, at the same time, like the company he got with, maybe you, I guess, I don't know, I'm thinking, I'm like, am I keeping the company? Yeah, I don't know. When I think about my friends and my group, like, mashallah, alhamdulillah, we pray together. Sure. So, like, most of the time, it's like, we're kind of just hanging out. I'm not necessarily, like, thinking, oh, I'm becoming a better Muslim when I hang out with them. Mm. Not that they're bad or mashallah, they're pretty. Sure. Yeah, maybe you're overthinking it, and maybe you're not. <laughs> I, I I think that um, uh, you know, a lot of these things, it's important to remember that a lot of these things actually have to do with intention, and have to do with kind of like time management and stuff like that. You know, so <coughs> you can have very good intentions for spending time with the people that you spend time with, even if they're good people but they you know you could maybe keep company that will push you to do even more but you still like there's other reasons why you can keep company too like they might be people that you grew up with and you have history with them and you have a certain level of responsibility towards them and them towards you and so on and so forth so you don't want to just like cut them out right but that doesn't mean like like this this used to come up for me a lot in MSA because when we were in MSA, my MSA existence was ex very different than how most people do it now, I think. Like, I can't understand how much time these people waste. It's, it's unbelievably mind-boggling how much time gets wasted in MSA. Just like doing nothing, hanging out and doing nothing, uh, hanging out and studying together. Um, it's unbelievable, you know? Uh, but I used to, that was like a... a, a I used to think about it like okay I'm gonna spend time with the brothers they're gonna do nothing all they're gonna do is just spend time with each other like they're just gonna sit there and they're gonna joke around and play video games and like eat some food and that's gonna be it so why am I doing this so and then I would think about that and I was okay like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna spend yeah, it's fine it's okay to spend time with people. Like spending time with people is a good thing. And some of our teachers even like they they're very particular about that. That the most important thing is for people to spend time together, to eat together, to worship together, to do so on so on together. And they'll benefit from you and you'll benefit from them and so on and so forth. You don't want to just like abandon them, right? Um, and we don't want to think we're better than people either. Like we, we can uh, benefit from people. And that's why I said that even like some of a lot of it even has to do with intention and perspective and like you could keep the company of someone who is seemingly worse than you and still benefit from them. Right? Like maybe they have some quality that you're like, wow, they, they really that one they really have. And when I spend time with them I really get motivated to take this quality more seriously in myself, even if they have these other issues that are totally not okay. Good. So like am I Am I t how am I going to take benefit from the company that I keep? And if I need to limit it, then I need to limit it. But, you know, we don't want to cut people off either. We want to be with the people. And the prophet, otherwise the Prophet Sallallahu wouldn't have spent time with his companions, you know, like, <laughs> would have been with his Lord. And they have, there's a message to deliver too. So we have to be around people too. Uh, but there, you know, sometimes there is a lot of waste in it too though. So it kind of like depends. Um, but I just I, The reason why I'm kind of like stumbling around With your question a little bit Is because I think that sometimes we hear these things And we get like Really serious about them to the point that We get kind of like Awkward and dry And weird And 
and like that's not really the sunnah either and it's like over time you start to realize okay that probably wasn't the best approach and there were probably other things involved in that like i didn't you know, I'm not keeping company with these people because they're. I want to keep better company. But in the end, what actually came from that was me just thinking I'm better than them. So, like, I probably would have been better off just keeping their company and not thinking that I'm better than them because that's a, that's a more serious issue, right? To, like, look down on someone. Um, and that's one of the more, one of the beautiful things that Imam Sharani says about keeping the company of people. He says that, that, the the spiritual uh, method, like the spiritual strength that passes from a believer to a believer, he says it only flows downstream. It only flows downstream. So if you think that the and and like the it's always metaphors of water, right? Like the Sharia is a watering hole, so on and so forth. It's like if you think that you're better than someone else, you're not going to get benefit from them. Because you put yourself upstream. It's not going to flow to you. But if you believe that, like, I'm not actually better than any of the believers, and there's things I can learn from them, there's things I can benefit from them, so on and so forth, and I don't have the answers to everything and all this kind of stuff, then you're downstream a little bit, and now things will come to you that you're like, wow, subhanAllah, I benefited from that person's company. That's why you spend time with people, like some amazing people, and they keep, they always tell you, like, Alhamdulillah, we're happy to see you. We benefited from your company and stuff. They're not just saying it. They're like, actually, and that's like so remarkable because they have no business business benefiting from you. You go to them to benefit from them. And they're actually benefiting from you because of their humility. They're, they're, they've opened themselves to that, right? There's things I can learn from people. Um, you know, perspective is an interesting thing. Allah help us. Allah help us to get our minds right and our hearts right. Inshallah. Anything else? We pray Isha together. Any other questions or anything? Comments, reflections?